Nothing all that special about the cutoff story this week at number 11, other than the fact that it was a very interesting one to me, so I'm upset we're not really going into it, and it was the one that wasn't quite good enough to get in the top 10. Your headline for this week at number 11, AMC purposely pays the Walking Dead stars to not do too many convention appearances. Uprocks.com gave us a story, and you guys didn't quite want it in the top 10. So for more details on this one, check out our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast. In the meantime, we're going to prepare you for the stories you did say were the tops, the best, the ones that were the most conversational, not necessarily dominated by the news media or what was going on in the all-day breaking news, but stories that may have been missed out on those broadcasts so here we go they're coming up to you counting down from 10 to 1 here on the weekly wrap-up with jay cliff and Payne. this is for the week ending february the 27th 2021 And welcome to the show. My name, Jay Cliffin Payne, the show weekly wrap up. This is a weekly wrap up of news stories we posted as a part of the conversation project found at theconversationproject.com. Now, how did you find yourself to this podcast? I'm not sure, but we're everywhere your pods are cast. And if we're not someplace, you can let us know by emailing us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. You can let us know anything you want to at the same email address. In the meantime, the point of this podcast, the point of this whole weekly wrap up idea is that we are looking looking at the conversation project as a way of gathering the most conversational topics in news and, and all of the the world, literally the world. The world is our oyster or our sounding board, as this case is, and our sources, if you will. So we post news stories every 50 minutes or so on our social media attached to the project. On Facebook, it's called This is a Conversation. And on Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. So you find us there. You follow us there like the rest of your actual social media love. And when you check in with your other social media things, you see what we have going on there. And if you see a story, a headline that looks interesting, one, we want you to read the story. So it may be something that you may have missed, but let us know how engaging it is by engaging in the story. You like it. You love it. You hate it. You share it. You respond to it. The more engagement, the more things you do to the story in the source that you want to do, Twitter or Facebook, the more higher, which is not grammatically correct, but the more higher score it gets every single week. On Friday, we cut things off at about 5 a.m. Central Time, going from the Friday at midnight previous, so it's about seven days and a couple hours, and we put them in a spreadsheet that puts an equal weighting to the Facebook and the Twitter, so we get one full score. And we top those down from top to bottom and see how far they go. The top story, of course, number one this week, the bottom story at 194. And we do have a super story that combined three headlines and one this week. So that did take it down quite a little bit, but didn't necessarily take away from the full full flavor of the stories you have this week. So we'll get to those in just a minute. Like we said, if you have any questions, comments or concerns, email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. The website home for the conversation project is this is the conversation.com. All things about us can be found there if you need to. And of course, remember, this podcast is powered by you. So if you if you hear great content, you think what we're doing is really, really good, whether it's the podcast itself, our weekday newsletter or just the feed going on as it does. Help us out. Go to this is the conversation.com slash partnerships. See if there's a way you can partner with us directly or just click on any single link you see in any of our products and we get affiliate pay from those as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with other like minded people into great conversations and rate news from different sources, not just singular sources. 
So let's get into the countdown for this week. As we said, number 11, AMC uh, paying the Walking Dead stars not to go to conferences. That's your cutoff. For more details on that, go to our website and click for this week's podcast, week ending February 27, 2021. We have a link to every single thing that we talk about or and even don't talk about from 1 to 194 at the website. But number 10, we're going to talk about, and this is one that's rather ironic, if you will. I often get those ironic irony and coincidence confused, but this is one that is definitely ironic, given the band, given the time frame we're in now and where this whole thing got us to. Your headline that got the number 10 spot is this. Twitch gaming channel mutes Metallica during BuzzCon BuzzCon online, say that three times fast, due to DMCA. Well, that was hard to say. It's less of a tongue twister to say it was posted on Friday, the 19th of February, and this gets a bump in response. It means more people responded to this one, which is why it's number 10 and then 11 doesn't get talked about by 13.70%. We posted this in our newsletter and we pulled the actual details from uh, .esports.com. Here's what we put in the newsletter for this week, their write-up that we ate from, to be honest. If you thought you were safe from DMCA takedowns, Twitch doesn't even think it's safe, apparently. During BlitzCon Online, rock band Metallica played a set near the beginning of the event. Unfortunately, for literally everybody that likes Metallica, Twitch muted the band's music and instead played generic 8-bit music. The most baffling aspect of the ordeal is that the event was being broadcasted on the official Twitch gaming channel. Of course, this was seemingly done to avoid DMCA takedowns, which has been an issue on the platform for several months. The likelihood that Metallica, which has its own record label, would issue a takedown notice against Twitch official channel when they agreed to play at BlitzCon online seems rather low, however. Metallica's involvement in this is also interesting because this band was one of the first to bring lawsuits against a third-party company for allowing copyright music to be shared without the consent of the artist. While Twitch has been rather lax on playing copyrighted material on streams for years, record labels took aim at the users in late 2020, when, which prompted a wave of suspensions, bans, and warnings by the platform, Twitch said in November 2020. It used to receive, quote, fewer than 50 music-related DMCA notifications each year, but had suddenly begun receiving, quote, thousands each week. Many streamers began deleting all of their VODs and clips from their channel to avoid DMCA takedowns, which could put their entire channel at risk. So the irony is that Metallica, who led the fight, I'll say original fight against Napster, particularly and other early streaming services in general, way back in the late 90s, um, or actually, I guess, early ish 90s, mid 90s. It's it's 90s are so far away now, it's hard to tell. Uh, but way back in the 90s, when Metallica was out there fighting for the right to get paid for music that they had the right to get paid for, but, but, but people will try to re-democratize them by using streaming services again for free, essentially led to a journey 30 years later uh, where Metallica is playing live for a online conference and having their music muted and playing generic music because that conference is afraid that Metallica or somebody may take their stream down for copyright infringement. It is at the time of the countdowns calculations, there was not a headline or an updated headline to the story, but there is, and we'll give you that update in a moment. But what we posted for you to see on Thursday, the 25th of February, was this headline, 
Lady Gaga's dog walker reportedly shot in the chest, dog stolen. This got a bump of response of 15.66% from the story at number number 10, should say. And the number nine story, as we originally posted from the New York Post story, goes like this. A gun-toting crook shot Lady Gaga's dog walker late Wednesday in Los Angeles, making off with two of the pop megastars' beloved French Bulldogs, prompting the music icon to offer a $500,000 reward for the return. The dog walker, identified by TMZ as Ryan Fisher, was strolling along North Sierra Bonita Avenue with Gaga's dogs, Gustav, Koji, and Miss Asia, around 9.40 p.m. Four-door sedan pulled up and two men attacked, according to police when Fisher put up a fight, one of the dog nappers shot him one time with a semi-automatic handgun, and the duel sped off with Gustav and Koji. The distraught Gaga, who was in Italy at the time of the robbery, is offering $500,000 reward for the return of dogs, no questions asked, and set up an email address, kojiandgustav at gmail.com, for information. As Fisher lay writhing on the sidewalk, he clung to Miss Asia, video captured at the scene by local outlet KABC shows. Fisher, quote, is thankfully recovering well, unquote, at a local hospital, a source familiar with the incidents, told The Post. Miss Asia was later picked up from police custody by Gaga's boyfriend. Initially, police scanner audio indicated that a white vehicle, possibly a Nissan, Mercedes or BMW, was seen fleeing the scene. But an LAPD spokesperson would only confirm the color, not the make. Detailed descriptions of the crooks weren't available at the time. Police said that it wasn't immediately clear if the crooks knew the dogs belonged to Gaga or targeted the pooches simply because French Bulldogs are in high demand, including on the black market. Now, the update to the story, two updates. Number one is that Lady Gaga's lost Bulldogs had been recovered, and we actually posted that uh, post the the calculations of this so we'll see if that headline makes it into the top 10 next week and also the recovery is that fisher is doing much much better he survived the attack and he will recover Uh, we'll see how well the recovery goes but the real wrinkle about this story other than the fact that some guy rolled up on another guy and shot him for the bulldogs and bulldogs apparently are very very expensive uh very high sought off in the black market people looking for bulldogs is that Lady Gaga put up the $500,000 reward for their return and initially was listed as no questions asked, which seems like a good thing. Many people believe that questions should be asked and the people should be found because it wasn't just the dogs that were lost. It was a man who was assaulted, shot, and could have died for that. So there is a bit of controversy on whether it should have been no questions asked in the reward or if anybody actually received the the award. I don't know um, if the reward, I don't know if that happened in the updates. Updates is basically the dogs were recovered. We'll see if the story becomes more of a story for next week to talk about. For right now, we are happy that the dogs have been recovered. Fisher is returning to some semblance normalcy. And after this, this weird bout with fame, we'll probably go back to being an anonymous dog walker and love that pretty quickly. Let's talk about the story now at number eight. Headline, Pence declined invitation to attend CPAC. The headline was posted for you to see on Monday, the 22nd of February, a bump in response from the number nine story of 5.21 percent the story we pulled and we posted for you was at the hill here's a write-up that we used in our head in our newsletter this week former vice president mike pence declined an invitation to speak at the conservative political action political action conference say that three times fast cpac next week according to multiple reports organizers of the annual conservative 
conference are seeking to change the former vice president's mind about attending on or giving remarks. An unidentified source confirmed to CNN. Another unidentified source confirmed to the outlet that Pence is planning to stay out of the headlines for at least six months after leaving office in January. The former vice president announced earlier this month that he will join the Heritage Foundation as a distinguished visiting fellow. He is also set to start a podcast, pen a monthly op-ed, and speak at conferences and colleges in a new role as the Ronald Reagan Presidential Scholar at the conservative Young America's Foundation. CPAC will kick off this Thursday in Orlando, Florida. Our conference will will end next Sunday with former President Trump set to give closing remarks in his first public appearance since leaving the White House last month. Two sources familiar with the matter confirmed that the Hill that the former president will speak about the future of the Republican Party and the conservative movement. He is also expected to attack President Biden's immigration platform. The annual conference is transitionally held in Maryland, but it is moved to Orlando this year in order to avoid strict coronavirus restrictions. There's actually a lot to unpack in that one. Number one, like I said, it's usually at a a conference, usually at a hotel and conference plex in Maryland. But because that hotel, which could use the business, has extremely strict rules about coronavirus protocol. And as was said in the first day when people were told they had to wear masks and extensive booing went through, that 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 hotel didn't want that smoke. So Orlando quickly took it up and we'll see what comes about from that one. Number two, Mike Pence was asked early last week to speak at CPAC. He declined. And pretty soon after that, we heard that Donald Trump was going to close out CPAC, which is probably a good reason why he he declined to be there, considering that CPAC essentially has turned itself into another big mouthpiece for the Donald Trump era Republicans. And so considering that uh, Donald Trump also may be spiking another run for president in four years and Mike Pence saw himself in that role before Trump showed up, he wants to stay away. In fact, many of the newer Republicans who are not on the side of D. Trump not going to CPAC, which is usually where you go to show yourself off right after the loss to make sure people know that you are ready to go. Some of the regular faces are going to be there. And they've already been there. And CPAC actually been going on a couple of days as I record this on Saturday. And tomorrow is tomorrow night will be Sunday where Donald Trump and his golden statue. Yes, there's a golden statue of Donald Trump roaming around CPAC will be seen for the world on Sunday. Donald Trump, whole another level of crazy. So we're going to pass on that and move on to the story at number seven. And that story has this headline. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle likely to lose their official royals roles soon. This headline was posted for you on Friday, the 19th of February. And this story gets a bumper response from the number eight story of 3.966%. So I'm not going to read from this one because we essentially had this story more than a few times last week. Uh, it was almost it was posted early or slash late in the, the thing. So it was almost in in the top 10 last week for this in particular. But we've talked about this a few times. We've talked about Oprah, the Oprah interview coming up and the Royals sort of kind of hedging their bets on how that's going to go. But the big point of the story, which we pulled from People Magazine's online slot, by the way, was the fact that this week the official royal titles were taken from Harry and Meghan Markle. Now, what that actually is about is there are some rules about royals going out there and having jobs because they work for the monarchy. They work for the nation. They are official figureheads. So them going out there and doing other things are 
conflicts of interest. It's pretty simple on that end. So the fact that Harry and Meghan wanted to have a private life because they're kind of not in tabloids and the tabloids are really, really bad on people of, of darker skin color over there in England, by the way. Because of that, they've moved to America. They've relinquished a good chunk of their work overseas. And they want to basically have jobs. Meghan Markle wants to be essentially a producer for the most part and do some more acting. And Harry wants to do more of that as well. Because they want to have a life and jobs, the royals officially cut them off of pretty much every title role that they had, including all the official army roles that Harry had for his in his charities and one of the few roles that Meghan Markle would have taken on as being a duchess. She didn't wasn't born into those roles, so these are not traditional things going on. Now, the argument is they could do a lot more for the world as the ambassadors they were for the royals than they were doing their own thing, but this is... This is what it is. He he married someone who apparently has a pretty strong will and wants to do her own thing. And that's how things are going there for the American semi princess. How this will continue on in royal family dynamics. I'm not sure. I'm not the biggest royal follower in the world. Not a very big royal follower at all. However, comma, you guys are, as we say, we put in Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and the story basically makes it. It is what it is. I actually had to make it last week, and this is them officially getting cut off as they were expecting to be cut off. For more details on how this worked out for them, check out the website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, and the link for this story and all the stories we talk about, and even all the ones we don't talk about, are related into that posting for this week's podcast. Podcast week ending February 27th, 2021. Moving on to the story at number six this week. That story reads, or headline at least, reads like this. Conspiracy theorists are now claiming the snow in Texas is fake because it doesn't melt. Wednesday, the 24th of February, and 6.67% bump in response from the number seven story. This one we're going to read. It, come from, it comes from ComicSans.com, which is a site that is backed by George Takai. And it, the first time I saw stories popping up there, I thought they were all parody. Unfortunately, they really aren't. So you can, you know, you can believe or deny the source. You can email me about that. Here's a clip from what they posted that we put on the website or on the newsletter this week. Conspiracy theorists have been around for as long as human beings have, but it sure seems like these paranoid falsehoods have become more prolific since the event of social media and especially in the last couple of years. Whether it's legitimate claims of voter fraud Illegitimate claims of voter fraud, I should say, the belief that Jewish space laser caused deadly forest fires in California in 2018, or the claim that school mass shootings are staged events to further an anti-gun legislative agenda, it seems whenever a riot crisis or tragedy strikes, a misguided attempt to connect the dots is never far behind. As we can now add last week's storm, which left millions without power and killed 50 people across Killed nearly 50, comma, people across the Internet have posted videos claiming that the snow in Texas was fake, created by Joe Biden, according to the some, even Bill Gates, according to others. The false conspiracy theories conjectured Biden or Gates dumped all the fake snow on Texas to push an agenda to reverse climate change and pressing issue they've both vowed to combat. So apologies for bad reading, but what I've read is what the story is. There are people online because there's people online needing to get some attention and they I don't know how well they believe it or if they're just doing something and enough people 
jumped into the bandwagon to make it viable that the snow that fell, at least in Texas, that caused deaths and and power outages and water outages and that people are suffering through right now to add injury to coronavirus issues was dumped on them by Joe Biden and Bill Gates. I'm not sure if they personally jumped on them, if they flew planes across or whatever, but they have pictures of them trying to catch set the snow on fire. It's ridiculous, but you can see more bits and pieces of this by going to our website and clicking the link for that story. At number five, this is something that's been rumored and innuendoed for weeks. Now it is official. Kim Kardashian files for divorce from Kanye West. We got that from TMZ and we gave it to you on Friday the 19th of February with a bump of response from the number six story of 5.36%. Here's what we got from TMZ that we posted in our newsletter this week. Kim Kardashian has filed to divorce Kanye West after almost seven years of marriage, but our sources say it's as amicable as a divorce can be. Kim is asking for joint custody and physical custody of the couple's four kids. Sources with direct knowledge of the uh, tell TMZ Kanye is fine with the joint custody arrangement, and we've told both Kim and Yi are committed to co-parenting together. There's a prenup, and we've been told neither party is contesting it. In fact, our sources say that there's already far along in reaching a property settlement agreement. The docs, filed by disco queen Laura Wasser, won't list a date of separation. It's listed to be determined. The date is almost irrelevant because the split has been so well crafted in the news and social media. Things got so rocky, the couple had been living separately for a few months. He was spending a lot of time in Wyoming, and she was in Calabasas with the kids. Maybe Calabasas. I don't live there, so I don't know how to pronounce it. The issue? We were told it wasn't contentious or ugly, but their differences in lifestyle and political politics were chief, among others. There will be Kim's. This will be Kim's third divorce. She was married to music producer Damon Thomas before they divorced in 2004 and married to Chris Humphreys in August 2011, but she filed for divorce 72 days later. This is Kanye's first divorce. Now, this was odd because I probably should have picked up on this, but this is Kim's third divorce. I didn't realize she was married to uh, Damon Thomas before uh, Chris Humphreys. Chris Humphreys was a big deal because, of course, it was all the rage of being on the Keeping Up with Kardashians, and then he got, of course, bounced from that one. Uh, but um, Kanye, obviously famous for essentially being a loner all his life and famous for essentially having no one but music fans and his mom to kind of deal with deal with him. Uh, his, this is new for him. Now, he's a person that a lot of people have been worried about for his mental health lately for a lot of things. His political views, which some see as really another extension of mental health issues uh, aside from that. But this is um, not a happy thing for any of us. Number And number two, I didn't realize they had that many kids, but that's that that's the state of play there as well. It's great that they're being very, very co-parenting, whatever they're calling this these days, uh, to to keep up with the kids. Um, obviously, Kanye is a kind of a man all over the place, so uh, he probably doesn't have the time or capacity to be the number one man taking charge of things. And the Kardashian clan is a clan of folks, and I'm sure Momager uh, will take care of most of the arrangements to take care of the kids. They got plenty of money. They've got plenty of support. If they need therapy, there'll be plenty of folks out there and they're famous. They'll be fine for the most part, other than the general just just living without while parents. And that's something I don't understand because my parents are still alive and have been married 
most of my life. But of course, I got married a little bit after I was born. That's bad math. That isn't important. But as far as as far as my memories are concerned, my parents have always been there together. And it's just what it is. I don't understand because just from a, a standpoint of raising anyone um, separate lives. I have a stepson, so that obviously means he had to deal with that in, in a sense because his father and mother aren't together. And I have a child with my wife together, and hopefully she won't have to understand any of that stuff going on. But it's right now it's one of those things where the parents have plenty of money and plenty of support and plenty of managers and hangers-on that want to keep them making plenty of money. Uh, the kids have plenty of money through the parents, so they'll be taken care of financially, just making sure that they grow up to be healthy. And in that environment, I'm not sure that's what they're going to get, but we shall see. At number four, headline, Avalanche win over Golden Knights after meltdown delays NHL's take Lake Tahoe outdoor game. I am apologizing for all the bad reading. The original uh, reading for that original headline was meltdown as sun halts Vegas, Colorado outdoor ice hockey game at Lake Tahoe. Obviously there was an update. The original post was put there on Saturday, the 20th of February with a bump in response, 5.93%. I'm going to, I'm going to read you the updated story. It was the same link, but that was updated as things went by. We pulled off the Yahoo news from Australia Oddly enough, but I just I think it just that's just the link that popped up, but essentially is the same story everywhere. Nathan McKinnon tallied a goal and two assists as the Colorado Avalanche beat the Vegas Golden Knights three to two in an NHL outdoor game at Lake Tahoe on Saturday. That took a total of 10 hours and 37 minutes to complete because of poor ice conditions. The contest was suspended after the first period with the Avalanche leading one to nothing after the hot sun took its toll on the outdoor ice surface. This led to an eight hour delay with the game result resuming at 10, 9 p.m. West Coast time, 5 a.m. GMT. Instead of playing with the lake and mountains in the backdrop, the game final two periods were completed under floodlights. A special rink was assembled on the 18th hole of a lakeside golf course to create a unique atmosphere with mountains and boaters watching on the water a short walk away, but no spectators on site due to COVID-19 pandemic. The game was the first of a doubleheader that concludes Sunday, or at least concluded Sunday, with the Boston Bruins facing the Philadelphia Flyers, their start being delayed to Sunday night. So two games are supposed to be played on the ice outside. This is a big deal for the NHL doing their outdoor game stuff and playing it in really, real cold places. And the irony is, as this was happening, all the extra ice and snow in the world was essentially tearing things down and then going away for the weekend because it's just how it worked out. And then so this is the one place where they really need enough cold and no sun to melt the ice and the artificial ice set up for the ice rink would not hold up for that day. It was just way too hot. These games, if you're a big hockey fan, are really, really big for folks who are naturalists, who are purists, who want to see things like literally playing hockey on frozen lakes out in some places, which is essentially what they're doing. They're using a little technology to make it look a little bit better. In the past couple of years, they've had stands out and had people out there to cheer on. But with the pandemic, pandemic being what it is, this is a perfect sort of exhibition and a perfect way to do it because you, you set it up without the spectators. The only problem is when the ice is bad, you can't have hockey. 
So congratulations for the Avalanche for getting that win and that very, very long game you had rolling into late in the ninth. And, and I don't even have a score update for the Bruins and the Flyers. The listing was originally for the first game being canceled or being postponed, and then it was updated. So we made sure we put the updated story in the description because obviously the game eventually got finished. Let's move on to the story at number three. Jeff Bezos reportedly linked to Washington football team as new minority majority owner. I am apologizing. I cannot read today. That story posted on Tuesday, the 23rd of February. And this is the biggest Facebook story of the week. Now, Facebook uh, doesn't necessarily run things around here, but it does help put some stories in perspective. This helped this put store move the story up into the third place spot this week. We'll tell you about the the, the work that the Twitter story did. And it was a super story, so it made it even bigger for the week's uh, playout. But here's the readout we had from Fox5DC.com on the Washington football team and the possible new owner, and it possibly being Jeff Bezos. The Washington football team becomes available. You can count on Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos to be one of the suitors to take over a majority owner of the team, according to court documents obtained by Front Office Sports. Bezos' attorney had a discussion with Baltimore-based sports investment banking firm Moag & Company, Front Office Sports reported. And the website also stated that the current Washington football team owner, Dan Snyder, and said that the real estate executive, Dwight Scar, one of the three minority shareholders of the Washington football team, reportedly led an, quote, extortion campaign to force Snyder to sell his stake of the team. Bezos, who announced on February 2nd that he would no longer serve as Amazon CEO by the end of 2021, purchased the Washington Post in 2013, and he bought a location in Arlington, Virginia, which as now Amazon's second headquarters. Front Office Sports said that it reached out to the Washington Post on Monday, as well as Paul Dowder, one of the Bezos' lawyers, but no calls were immediately returned. In November of 2019, CBS Sports reported that Bezos previously spent time with Snyder and other NFL owners would welcome the multi-billionaire into the league with open arms. If Bezos makes his way into the NFL, he would easily be the richest owner in the sport and he would bring a whole new dynamic and voice to America's favorite sport. You can take that uh, article for what you will, because this is all pure speculation. No one's buying the team yet. Jeff Bezos hasn't made the announcement made publicly yet, although he's basically kind of calls a shot as things go on. And the only thing we know is that Bezos is moving out of the full time business of being in charge at Amazon. We think it's going to be mostly the focus on The Washington Post and maybe some philanthropy. We'll see how that goes. Maybe he's got a little stashed away to buy the Washington football team, which will have a name next season. Uh, they basically have everything planned out and ready to go, but they don't have the time to to essentially put it on anything and make any merch. So they're watching football team for one more season, and then fairly soon we will find out what they'll be going forward. Number two, the story this week. Slate podcaster Mike Pesa suspended after saying white people should be allowed to say N-word. That's what he says, and that's what got him suspended. This story was posted on Wednesday, the 24th of February, with a bump in response from the number three story, 118 percent, 118.5 to be exact. Here is the write up that we pulled from the Daily Beast, and we'll chat about it in a bit. Slate has indefinitely suspended one of its top podcast hosts after he argued that white people should be allowed to use the N word sometimes, according to The New York Times. 
Mike Pesco, the host of the GIST podcast, reportedly made his argument on a Slack chat with workmates last week. They were talking about Times reporter Donald McNeil Jr., who was ousted this month after Daily Beast reported that he had allegedly used racial language, racist language during an educational trip to Peru with teenagers. Pesca, who is white, probably told colleagues that he believes there should be context in which the slur could be used and then was told Monday that he'd been suspended without pay. That sort of happens sometimes. Slate spokeswoman Katie Rufford said the decision was made after, quote, additional issues, unquote, were raised following the argument. Quote, I can confirm this was not a decision based around making an isolated abstract argument in the Slack channel. After additional issues were raised by staff, we felt it was appropriate to take further action and indefinitely suspend the show ending an investigation, she said. While this is what this should be the story that we're really, really dealing with for commentary at number one, it isn't and mostly because of the super story nature of the story that, that got there. And we'll explain that in a moment. But this is something a really quick couple of words needs to go to. Uh, number one. The N-word should probably not be said by anyone. Me being a black person, I am making that statement. It should be basically outlawed in general language. Number two, the fact that African-Americans, black people say it around themselves, say it to themselves and say it at themselves is a red herring, has nothing to do with the argument and has no reason for uh, anyone of not that culture to use that word in public. Now, if they're saying it in their own houses with their own people and nobody knows about it, then there's not much I can do about it. But to be able to say I should be able to use racial slurs in public in certain cases because the context is there makes no sense. And especially for people who are in journalism about telling stories, uh, the fact that they can't convey a story without using that word it shows weakness in their storytelling. I don't listen to Mike Pesca's uh, podcast, so I'm not sure what impact it's going to actually have in the actual work that they do. But for all practical purposes, any person who is not a black person trying to argue for the right to use this racial slur is an idiot. Period. Now, we have to save the commentary for action on one story. And it should, there is some commentary to this one, although it turned out to be a less of an issue, although a big issue, but less of an issue uh, that, that people were, were worried about. This story, headlines and all the fanfare goes to the number one story. This was a super story. It is three headlines combined. It was the original story. It was an update on the status. And it was the finding, which we're using for the, um, that we're using for the actual line we're using, that was the tops. The three stories together were literally all within the top 12, put them all together or put three stories about its own were in the top were in the top 12 ranging together all by itself. It reached out to number one by uh, not really that big of a margin, to be honest, because of the big gap in number two to number three. It's a top Twitter story, though. Um, so that had it as well. It really didn't contend that much on Facebook, but because of the nature of Twitter, it was what it was. And it's it's. As a jump in response, a bump in response from the number two story, which is still significant, 60.05%, 60% jump from there to there. From the story at number 10, which was Twitch um, banning themselves from playing Metallica so that Metallica wouldn't sue them, maybe, uh, 628%. And from the story at the very bottom this week, we call it the almost relevant story of the week, by the way, 194. We'll give you that story in just a bit. Its bump in response was 
20,066%, 20, 2066.67. So we got that little number of the beast in there as well. This headline that we used, the final update to the story, Tiger Woods rollover crash was purely an accident, no charges planned, Sheriff says. The L.A. Times is our source for this story. And let's read you the final version of this. As you said, it was original was the crash. The secondary was the fact that he was doing okay. The third one was the fact that there be no charges. Let's read that part. The rollover crash on a steep road on the Palos Verdes Peninsula that badly broke legendary golfer Tiger Woods legs and jeopardized his career was an accident. And no criminal charges will be filed against Woods, Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva said Wednesday. The black box from Woods' SUV will provide investigators with information on how fast he was driving when he lost control just after 7 a.m. Tuesday, Villanueva said. Villanueva had previously said the vehicle was traveling at a, quote, relative greater speed than normal, unquote, down the Hawthorne Boulevard near Black Horse Road when it crossed the center divider and rolled over coming to a rest about 30 yards on a hillside. Hawthorne Boulevard, with a speed limit of 45 miles an hour, is one of the main roads out of Palos Verdes Peninsula. The combination of the steep grade, curves, and wide lanes often leads to accidents. Signs warn trucks to use lower gears, and an emergency turnover occupies the right shoulder towards the bottom of the hill. Villanueva noted that it was easy for drivers to go faster than the speed limit if they're not careful, since last January, there have been 13 accidents, including four with injuries on the stretch of road where Tiger Woods crashed, Vanueva said. And that's it. The biggest thing that happened when the news came down early in the morning of Tiger Woods and his vehicle crash uh, was Tiger Woods okay. The second thing was, was he impeded by anything, impeded by anything? Was he under the influence of anything? What's, what caused the crash? Because we all know what caused his last traffic incident that caused the big sort of downward spiral for his life. And that was being under the influence of um, Ambien, under the influence of, 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 of sleeping, of, of sleep drugs uh, and driving while intoxicated, essentially, uh, while he was dealing with issues that were related to his family life. Literally the outing of an affair that was about, about to destroy his family life. This time, Tiger Woods was seemingly doing well. In fact, he did an interview a few days prior uh, uh, on CBS with a, at, at whatever tournament that was going on last weekend as he was basically saying, you know, he just had a, a surgery, so he's just doing some tooling, but he's playing in the Masters in a few weeks, and he's going to hopefully contend. He played golf the day before. Some of their hijinks were posted on Instagram that day before, and he was on television that night of the accident talking about how great it was to play golf with a great guy like Tiger and what he learned playing golf. And essentially, even though they're generally the same-ish age, I think uh, well, Wade is in his late 30s and Tiger Woods is is, is lower middle 40s. Um, he said Tiger Woods is the, is the guy that got him playing golf. And I guess since they're the same age and Tiger Woods was playing so young, that's something he picked up early on in his career. And we know a lot of athletes play golf and a lot of black athletes publicly play golf because of Tiger Woods. They A lot of them played before in the past because they just, that's just how business and air quotes get done. But a lot of people picked up golf. A lot of youngsters picked up golf while Tiger Woods was coming up. And basically when Tiger's on the field, 
people watch, whether you love them, whether you hate them, they know that dynamic golf may be happening that day. And when his injuries started to pile up and his life started to kind of kind of crush around him and he wasn't doing so well, people were still watching when Tiger was on the field because great golf may be happening that day. Tiger Woods has gone through about eight surgeries to his back and his knees at a fairly young age of 40. Uh, partially because a lot of the actual working out he's been doing uh, causes some issues to his joints. And a part of it is just serious things going on as a golfer. Those golfers get weird pains in various, various spots, and they have special specific sports injuries because of their sport and the repetitive motions of what they're doing. We are all looking for a speedy recovery right now. The big question, now do we know that, it wasn't any kind of impairment and um, that no charges were going by in, in the car crash. It's can Tiger walk again? Can Tiger walk well again? Can Tiger play golf again in those order, in that order, in those orders, in that, that list, that linking? Because he's been doing great with the public. He's doing apparently great with his family. And as far as we can tell, nothing out of the ordinary is, 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 is at, at fault. Nothing out of the ordinary is, is the key. So we're going to wish for Tiger a very speedy recovery that he can get back on the golf course at some level. I mean, 70% Tiger is better than 80%, 90% of most of the professional golfers out there. And that most of y'all will leave him the hell alone and let him do what he's going to do. So that's what we're shooting for. That's what we're hoping for here. A consensus from the folks here at the conversation is that Tiger Woods should be left alone as much as he wants to be. And when he wants to be in public to play some golf, we watch him play golf and we leave him alone in other cases. So the stats for this week uh, come down to more or less normality. The Twitter love uh, on total came to about 89.83% of the total responses in Twitter. On Facebook, 10.17%. So it's technically a little high in the Facebook, but high as in as opposed to 8 to 9%, a little over 10%. So and barely under 90% for the Twitter love there. As far as engagement, the top story, even though it was a super story, three stories combined, uh, three headlines combined, I should say, it only got 9.94% total engagement. That's 10% of the engagement on the week. So this is more. This is back to a normal standing on what we would have in the countdown. So the top 10 stories, total engagement for the top 10 stories, the ones we talk about now, came to about 31.15% of the engagement. 31% of everybody in this week looked at those stories. Of the almost rands, number 11 and through 15 stories that aren't quite in range, we give you this number for context of how those close stories, how much time people spent with those. That turned to be about 5.67%. So about 1% plus change for each of those stories. Our story that's the almost relevant story of the week at the bottom, 195, actually is um, breaking breaking convention at 0.05%. The normal range for this is 0.03, and we say that because it's basically consistent. It doesn't go too much further back or up or down, but this one about 0.02% more than the norm, and it just so happened to be this week. The story also posted very, very late, so this one actually follows the actual convention that we built this around. Stories that were posted very late Thursday or very early Friday, the, the last day of the countdown, should be here because they don't get a lot of traction. 
And that's the case for this one. This is actually a pretty fun story. So we're going to start a new tradition of going ahead and reading the story at the Almost Irrelevant, not just trying to gloss over it so you can get the full gist of what's going on. And it's a fairly long write-up, so we're going to go long this time, just kind of go with this so you get the gist of what's going on. And as we said, this story is 20,066% less engaging than the Tiger Woods story. It was posted on Friday, the 26th of February, so very, very late in the equation. This story's headline reads, Cheers! Free wine for a 101-year-old woman after she applied for a job so she could buy her own booze. The story headline came from a website called Zinger. Zinger News, Zinger.News. So it was a new a new site in the list of aggregators that we found. So we'll see how often Zinger.News, Zanger got news. I'm not sure even how to say it uh, will be there. But um, you're going to get a read out of this one anyway. So the inaugural official read of the story uh, even though it did not get posted in any of the newsletters, comes right now. A 100-year-old Brazilian woman who has become an overnight inspiration for many after she applied for a local business job in an effort to buy her favorite food and wine. The woman identified as Maria Cardoza was born on November 3, 1919, and wanted to be independent and not turn to her daughter for any expenses. She So she decided to send her curriculum vitae, or her CV, to a food processing plant in the Brazilian municipality of Procissimo, which surprised the office staff. My family is very large, and several members work at the food processing plant, said her great-granddaughter, Pamela Cristina Mateus Gomez. Every time we go to say goodbye, we say, Grandma, I'm going to work, and she always tells us, take my CV. Maria's motivation to work at the plant, albeit in the office and not on the factory floor, was to reduce her financial de- dependence on her daughter. Quote, she says she wanted to be independent and to buy her own things, to buy the meat she likes and also buy her wine, says Gomez. After constant in- insistence, the family made a CV for the life of Maria, who did not complete school, which Pamela handed to Martog's human resource manager, Juliana Arojo. Under the heading education, family wrote middle school and under extracurricular experience, they wrote farm work because Maria spent all her working life since she was nine years old on a plantation. Arahu was so taken aback by the CV that she posted on Facebook where it received hundreds of likes and even attracted the attention of the Brazilian media, converting Maria into a minor celebrity in Promissia. Empowered is the 101-year-old Dona Maria who asked her granddaughter to give her give me her resume because she wants to work so she doesn't depend on anyone to buy her wines. Araujo wrote on a Facebook post, After Maria's story reached the media, a wine company got in touch with the family to tell her it would gift monthly bottles to Maria. Araujo also has promised to give Maria a tour of the plant once COVID-19 pandemic is over. With the COVID-19 restrictions limiting the activities of older people, there is no job for her, however. Maria is hoping she still might get lucky. Brazil has a relatively young population and has an excellent legal care system for its older populations, as per research paper FP Analytics. Social welfare and public health services are also prioritized for the older Brazilian population by the government. Now, that, my friends, may be the almost relevant story of the week. Because it's a very bottom with a very least response, but we're glad that it got there because just it's late placement, not because it was overlooked. 
we're very glad to use that as a wrap up for this week as the final story. So thank you so much for listening to the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne brought to you by the Conversation Project homed at this is a conversation.com. Remember, this podcast and the whole conversation project is is powered by you. We need you to number one, follow us on social media. TH underscore conversations where it lived on Twitter. And this is the conversation on Facebook. And as you look through your feed, we'll post a news story about every 50 minutes. You just engage in it, like it, love it, hate it, share it. The more engagement that you give to a story, the higher the score gets at the end of the week. And we put it into this big, not so magical, more scientific listings pot uh, spreadsheet thing. And it gives us a score from top to bottom. You heard the top, you heard the bottom, everything in between. You can see by going to this is a conversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast. This for the week ending February the 27th, 2021. Now, we also need you to partner with us to make sure that things keep going. So if you enjoyed the content you have here and want to help us expand on it, go to this is a conversation.com slash partnerships. Find out if there's a few ways there that you would like to partner with us on a regular basis. And if that's not the case, just check out the advertisements we have in our products on the website here inside of the podcast in the feed on our on our daily newsletter weekday newsletter if there's a link to a store to a offering to a service that you like use that link and we get a affiliate cut for the product and it costs you nothing extra which is a little bit as a finder's feed so we ask you just choose some of our links in our podcast make sure that we are in your podcatcher as well and you're sharing us with your friends and family and other folks who are really into big conversations big news stories especially something like we just had for that story in brazil that is an amazing story there as well so look for us on your favorite podcatchers if you just found us and if you can't find us email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com we will find a way to get on that podcatcher or get you some alternate way that hopefully work out for you in the meantime, we are, as we said, posting something every 50 minutes. And while this is Saturday, we've been posting all day Friday and so far Saturday to make sure there's plenty of stories to get into our newsletter for Monday morning and to start the week off fresh with great stories. So if there's something we're missing, let us know. If you want to see more about us, check us out and just be prepared to be back here again next weekend. Next weekend, we'll have another countdown of the stories for seven-ish days to let you know what stories we're the tops because you said so not the mainstream media not some other news service not any particular news director anywhere around the world it's literally we pull the stories from everywhere you tell us which stories are the tops thank you so much for helping us this week and we'll see you next week with another episode of the weekly wrap-up with jake Cleveland Payne.